It's been an interesting week and um, yeah, I've got time, I've got time. And uh, of course, uh, Jill Connell, uh, my mother-in-law and Julie's mother, uh, went to be with the Lord Wednesday about 11 o'clock and so, you know, we were prepared for it, I guess, um, but at the same time, um, everyone's processing it in their own way and especially me uh, because, you know, um, I've got all these protective barriers, you know, force fields uh, around certain areas of my heart that stop me blubbering and crying and just being a mess. Uh, uh, that, that might help me be the leader I am, but there's certainly areas of my life that needs to, needs to you know, happen and, um, and so I, on that afternoon, Wednesday afternoon, I did walk along the river with my iPhone and my earplugs worship music and sat there and the pink of the setting sun across the river and uh, I just couldn't help but think about all the times that, uh, all the times that you really just take for granted when you're living with someone like Andrew, you know, we take this guy for granted, look at him, he's, you know, but, you know, you know, if he, when he goes to, on his uh, work trips and that, we do miss him. He goes only for a week, but still, we reminisce about him. But, um, you know, if he was to really go to the Lord, we would really start to think, oh, wasn't that a great giving message? Oh, wasn't he so funny, that guy, talking about all these weird creatures walking through the auditorium and gets these strange, you know, I love that, I love that imagery, you know, with the scarf, the helmet, you know, the moustache, you know, I mean, this is all great stuff, we, you know, and I'm sure we'll remember that, and the, that might come out in the eulogy for Andrew, if you, and, uh, but I'm starting to think about Jill, and uh, coming to the, the point of the sermon, and I'm starting to think of the legacy, um, and I did watch a little bit of um, a, a bit of a special on George Clooney during the week and uh, they were interviewing him. It was a very matter of fact, you know, it wasn't all just pomp and, you know, fame and he was, he was most serious and he says, the guy says, well, w- w- what are you trying to leave? Are you trying to leave a legacy? This is George Clooney, the actor. Right? And, um, and he says, yeah, well, you know, boy, at the end of the day, I'm hoping I'm known more for just Batman and Robin and a couple of movies and so he, who knows that he's, in, he's involved with a lot of humanitarian activity across the planet, a lot, a lot of stuff. And, uh, and, he, and he's very busy apparently doing that. And he says, that's my legacy, not being an actor. I mean, that's not going to hold up for too long. I mean, but the human, humanitarian, humanitarian works that I do, that is the stuff that compels me to live and do well and live life and uh, that's the stuff that I want to leave as a legacy. And so we know Jill has left a rich legacy. This is, uh, again, a precious woman that helped pioneer this church, used to do the uh, finances of the church, but served in so many ways. Um, and, and, And it's amazing the feedback that we're getting of people's lives that have been touched and blessed by her. She taught people how to sew. Um, she loved on people. She blessed people this way, that way. A lot of practical stuff, a lot of practical stuff. So just not lip service, there's a lot of practical stuff. Do you know what I'm saying? And this, this, and she sewed so many um, wedding gowns because she was this extraordinary sewer. 
And that, my goodness, is, is something that really I've been thinking about all week. And, um, and if you follow me on Facebook, you would have saw I wrote something about that, that at the end of the day, it's what we do really for eternity uh, and in the dimensions of the love uh, towards people's life. That's the stuff that holds up at the end of the day and that's probably the most richest legacy that you can leave behind. How much you love people but love God but love people and, um, and so th- it is. It, it is an amazing thing. So I, I thought we'd call this sermon Love Factory. I just, just made it up there because I thought I should put a title to it, Love Factory. And, and can I just preempt a little something here? When I came into the Connell home, when I came into the Connell home, um, it was culture shock, man. Because I came from a family where we didn't do a lot of cuddling. And when I got to an age, I was virtually booted out of home. Um, you know, just go on, flap your wings, where you go, where you go, you know. And, 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 but when I encountered um, the Connell family, which is Julie's maiden name, it was big gatherings and uh, big, big uh, meals and uh, lots of cuddles, lots of cuddling and uh, being very, you know, kind and, and, and being very open with each other, very transparent with each other and just, just like that. And, uh, and for me, I found myself in those early days when I was courting Julie, uh, I could take a little bit of that you know, that busyness of, you know, being transparent and being cuddly and that. I could take a little bit of that, but then I'd find myself working on the car, you know. Oh, there's something wrong with my car. I've got I to gotta fix the car. And, um, and where's Phil? Or I'd go for a walk. And so I had to, it was really, uh, yeah, it was really quite daunting at first. And I'd, I'd never known such amazing love. So I want to talk about that. And, um, and then I found out it was more than just lip service, but it was a sharing of life. We shared an extraordinary life together. Jill Connell taught me, you know, what was hers was, was ours as a family. When, when I married into this family, what was theirs was ours. And she gave us extraordinary amounts of money, gave us extra- anything, anything we wanted. It was ours. Nothing was sacred heirlooms, whatever. It didn't matter. I mean, she gave us this lounge, wooden carved lounge suite that she grew up in in Leichhardt um, and it was hand-carved. It needed renovating, but it was emotional, a lot of emotional attachment there. And I just happened to say, oh, that's great. That would look good if we... Yeah, it's yours. Take it. Oh, God. All right. So, just give, just give, just give. And um, I want to take you through some scriptures about what I think the church is and what the church should be. Is that cool? Is it okay if I go through a, a, a lot of scriptures and, and tell you what church really is? This is what church is not. Church is not a place where you come eventually, you might just visit here, but eventually when you find the church that you belong to, the family where you belong to, the team which you belong to, the army of God which you belong to, These dynamics that I'm about to read out are truly evident and is the purpose of God for the local church. 
Church is not a place in the end when you find, this is, this is for the people, when you find a church where you belong, where you submit to, you submit your giftedness, your talent and, and you contribute, you partner, you partner with that church and then you, 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 you commit your life to that church and to, to all together to care for each other, bless each other and then push out the ministry back into the world. That church is a most extraordinary church which I believe is um, imbued with love. Love is the key thing. Love was the key thing in the Connell family. There was an extraordinary gift on Jill Connell. Like, like she, there's people in the other states of Australia and even in the nations are saying it's the love. It's the love of God of that woman that we remember much. And I think it's the love of God in the church that we need to subscribe to in caring for each other, partnering with each other. And I'm going to prove it. I'm going to prove it. Does, it, does it, anyone up for this? Because at the end of the day, church is not a place which you just visit. You become the church. See, the people that belong to this church, and I would talk as strongly as this in leadership, you become C3 Tugra. This is your identity. They're our, that's our culture up there. That's some, those words up there are our culture. It's not a free-for-all. This is a country called C3 Tugra. It's actually a city, a city within a city called C3 Tugra. That's our culture. It's not a free-for-all. We defer to that. We say, well... We believe in connecting. Well, we believe in excellence. Well, we believe in prayer. All that helps us understand who we are as a church. So, I basically went back to some of my notes and I got back to the word koinonia. So, let's go through it. It's not a long message. The New Testament word for community is koinonia. Say koinonia. Koinonia. Often translated by the now anemic word, anemic word, fellowship. Fellowship. Koinonia is linked to the words common, sharing, love doing that. Don't you love it when you get to do that? Common, sharing, and participation. Thank God for all the people that helped put the events on. All those people that helped put last night on. Thank God for you. Even I was on the tractor yesterday. And I was loving it. And I think in those moments, in working, I've, I've just realised, working bees are probably the most spiritual thing that we do as a church because we're growing together. We're, I'm seeing the, the two days I saw you getting to know each other while you're shoveling dirt and gravel and, uh, you know, and... and, and we're on the land, we're participating, we're partnering with each other to pull an event off because it takes a lot of, it takes a lot of planning and it takes a lot of organisation. And so I, I just want to make a real point of that, that church is about having this sharing, participating, things in common view. 
You can write this down. Here we go. 2 Corinthians 13, 14. Here we go. We are the community of the Holy Spirit. What's the church? It's the community of the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 13, 14 says, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Now, if you go to the webpage and check out some of our... And you can go and find the vision there. You can find our culture and, uh, and it actually talks about, we actually talk about what the Holy Spirit does for us, six major aspects of the Holy Spirit. So if you've got friends wondering who we are and what we're about, you can go to the website and you can find this stuff out on the website. Six major aspects of the Holy Spirit, besides helping us, leading us, comforting us and counselling us, the Holy Spirit is our executor. It executes God's plan. So when you're in this church, God, the Holy Spirit is executing God's will upon your life. The Holy Spirit is executing God's blessings. Prosperity is coming to you through the Word and through the Spirit. But it's coming by the Holy Spirit. And it's coming and, it, and it's breaking down walls of poverty, walls of lack and, and the devils of you know, religious thinking that, you know, we should only just have enough for ourselves, and that's nice. No, you should be immensely blessed. You should be blessed to be a blessing. Absolutely. And that's the Holy Spirit executing God's prosperity on you. Next, the energizer. You will receive power, Acts 1.8. It's our equipper, gifts for supernatural living, 1 Corinthians 12. The Holy Spirit is our encourager. It's all happening right now. The Holy Spirit is encouraging us. Who needs encouraging? This morning, the heart of the Father revealed, our encourager, Romans 5, our expediator guiding us into the will of God. The Holy Spirit is, is gently pressing us, pushing us into the will of God. The Holy Spirit is cajoling, you know, help, you know, drawing us into this place where we should be, the right position, strategic placement for God to bless us and to move forward in Jesus' name. The Holy Spirit's doing all this. Our equaliser, powerful protection, level playing field to overcome Satan. I love that. The Holy Spirit. So what is the church? The Holy Spirit. It's a community of the Holy Spirit. Next, it's a community with the Son. 1 Corinthians 1.9 God who has called you into fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord is faithful. This is a community of Jesus. This is a community where Jesus is centre of this church. He has a purpose. He has a plan. He has a mandate to press out into the community. People would say, what's the centre of your church? Jesus. Yes, but the mission is really the centre. The mission. What's your mission? If people are considering joining the church, they should be, and they're mature Christians, they should be asking, what is your mission? What are you trying to do with our money? What are you trying to do with all that prayer that you're asking us to pray? What are you trying to do with the building? What are you trying to do with me as, as a resource? You are a resource. Is that, is that okay to say? You are a resource. You have abilities. You have gifts. You have life that's precious. And it's, up, it, it, it's incumbent on me to put you into some sort of rank-and-file protocol where we become a team and we press back out beyond these four walls. And that's what we do. We're in the high school. We've got the chaplain in the high school. 
We've got another chaplain in another school. We've got the marketplace happening. We've got the, the, the overseas missionaries. We're pressing back out. That's what church is all about. Church is not about sitting on your rusty-dusty in church hearing a great sermon. Oh, geez, I feel good about being a Christian. Oh, gee, isn't it great being a Christian? Wow, geez, I went to church today and feel even better about being a Christian, actually. It's quite, quite neat, actually. No! We're in a fallen planet. There's a devil out there taking people, dragging them to hell. And we're about manning up. Sorry, ladies. And, uh, and pressing back, pushing, pushing back on the devil, saying, devil, you're out of wine, go. We, that's what we did for seven years on Chapman Hill. We said, devil, go. They, the, 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 the witches used to meet on Chapman Hill and we used to find their candle wax still up there when we got up there Wednesday morning, Tuesday morning, and, we would, and eventually they just went. And, and that's true. The wine high school principal used to warn the students, don't go up to the top of the lookout there's pentagrams, there's witches that meet up there, they're chanting and uh, you just don't need to go up there, all right? And they used to say that in the mid-90s. That's a fact. But when, C, when the crossroads turned up, C3, we went up there, we said, well, is that right? Well, well, we sprayed out the pentagram, shh, kicked down the altars, went up, prayed, pushed back, darkness. That's what church is. That's what real church does. And now we've just got an open heaven and building a strong church. Um, in community, sharing our lives. 1 Thessalonians 2.8. We're sharing our lives. Help me. 1 Thessalonians 2.8. We loved you so much. We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well because you had become so dear to us. Jill Connell shared her life with us in a most extraordinary way. Guys, church should be exactly the same. We should be sharing our lives with each other. Sharing our lives with each other. You see that? So there's a lot of scriptures here that talk about sharing. Sharing our lives. You know, people are, you know, I've got this saying, I keep using it now, pushing back, pushing back. You, you get people that push back on you, they push back on the church and everything's at a safe distance. That's what we do. It's, it's just human nature. Push back. I push back on you, don't you come. I pushed back on Jill Connell when I first got to know her, well, when I first met her. I pushed back on her and said, hang on. When we used to have boys come into the uh, juvenile justice system, um, in Penang, you know, some, some, of the, some of the kids didn't understand personal space. And we used to have these killers come in, guys that actually killed people and they were quite dispositioned with all sorts of, um, yeah, complex stuff. And, and, and so they'd make, we'd give them a bed, they'd make their bed and they set up, the, they're all in a dormitory, 30 lads, and, uh, you know, this guy, he'd just come in and sit on his bed. And one of these friendly other guys, maybe he'd be institutionalised for a while or something, he'd come up and sit on his bed. Man, guy jumped up, got him, get off my bed, threw him to the ground. Personal space. Now, that, now I didn't do that with Jill. I didn't do that with Jill. <laughs> but, but I certainly went, hang on, hang on, please, hugs. 
Great. Hugs, kisses. Yeah, all right. Yeah, just measured, just measured. For, just measure it out, please, please. And so there's a little bit of pushing back. And, we, and, and, and people do that in life. It's only normal. But, you know, Bible's saying we should share. We should share each other's love. We should share each other's lives. Here's another one. Acts 4.32. In community, sharing our property. All the believers were in one heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was his own. We're not talking about communism, of course, but we're talking about, but they shared everything they had. So this is not talking about, you know, the communist state, socialism or something, that you can't own property. Yes, the Bible strictly says, absolutely says, you can own property, you can be wealthy, you can be blessed. This is talking about what is mine is God's and is the kingdom's. And if I choose to share it with you, so be it. So my house, my property, we've chosen to use that to build this church. We chose to do it. We weren't told, but we chose to do it. And this is a radical, radical um, position of the early church that if a church was in trouble or, or, or a group of people were in trouble, some would sell their properties and lay it at the feet of the apostles. Do you know what I'm saying? They would actually, if this, if, if, if you know, if this, was, this church was back in those days, man, we might have had a church come to the party by now and give us $100,000 maybe or something. Say, hey guys, we heard C3 Tugger, we heard you're doing it hard, but hey, here's a hundred grand. We're in a more affluent area. We're, we're doing quite well. Here, take that because you're doing such a great work. 70 people saved last night. Wow, awesome. But we, we, we don't see that much actually. We don't see that much. Every church is autonomous. It's you... You survive or you die. Um, Philippians 1.5 in community, sharing the gospel. Philippians 1.5 says, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. So we have people partnering with, it, with us. The church people partner with us to share the gospel. That's what happened last night. The gospel was sh- shared. Philemon 6 Verse 6, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have full understanding of every good thing that we have in Christ. Another one, in, um, 2 Corinthians 1.6. What about this one? We're in community sharing in Christ's suffering and glory. So what have we had so far? We're in community of the Holy Spirit. We're in community with the Son. We're in community sharing our lives. We're in community sharing our property, sharing what we have to give to ones who are less fortunate. We're in community sharing the gospel. That's what we're doing. Now, we're in community sharing in Christ's suffering and glory. 2 Corinthians 1.6. I heard it yesterday. I asked the guy, do you think your wife might come along? Because he's saved and... He married someone who's not saved and, and uh, I said, would she come to church? Do you think she's going to migrate? Do you think she's going to cross the great divide and maybe become a Christian and come to church? And he said, you know what, I think she's scared of her workmates because this, this lady, she's got a great job and, and uh, I think she's scared she's going to get mocked and uh, I think she's scared that you know, she's going to be misunderstood if she comes to church. But the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 1.6, 
If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces to you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. 1 Peter 4.13 But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when the glory is revealed. I mean, you know, we could read out the scripture in, um, I think it's Philippians uh, chapter 3, verse 7 to 10, but uh, Acts 5.41 says, The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. So that's the scripture for that lady. These apostles said, hey, this is a blessing, man. Got mocked, we got mooned. We've got tomatoes thrown at us. But hey, we count it a blessing. We count it a blessing. That's why when you get indifference, when you try and uh, speak to someone about Jesus and you present your, your love to them and, uh, and they push back on you and they give you a bad attitude or, or a bad disposition, man, count it, count it a blessing. Count it a blessing, man. Oh, that's cool. Some people just shrivel up right there and die a thousand deaths because they've got the fear of man. They just go, oh my God, they didn't, they didn't want my Jesus. They didn't, you know, and, and, and they just stop evangelizing and stop shining for Jesus and they become a secret Christian for the rest of their life. But guess what, guys? We're supposed to continually be pushed back on and just go, okay, so be it, and come up roses the next day. Come up roses, man. If I, all the times I've been pushed back on, if I took that personally, man, I'd be living under a rock. You know, I wouldn't be doing this stuff right here, right now. But I just got this supernatural love factor in my life that allows me to come up roses. I just spring up again. Someone pushes me back. I just go, go again, you know. <laughs> yeah. Go whack, 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 whack. It's like Transformers, man. You think that thing's gone, man. You just go. Next. You know, you know, you know, the devil thinks, I got him a beauty, man. I stuck it to him. He's down. Did you see this? You know, talk about what's that thing you watch? UFC, man. Knocked out, you know. You know, the devil says, I got him now, man. I've destroyed his witness. I've destroyed him. He'll never shine. What's happening? What's he doing? <laughs> yeah, some people lost their smile, man. Let's take some communion quickly. We've done just about communion. Let's let's. One Corinthians ten sixteen is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks, a participation in the blood of Christ. And it is not the, the bread that we break, a participation, there's that word again, a participation in the body of Christ. So we have a participation in the blood. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done through your blood. A participation in your body. Thank you, God, that, you've, that, that we're part of your fellowship, that we're the body of Christ. Do you know what I'm saying? So when we take this communion, it's about participating 
in the blood of Christ. Thank you, Jesus, for what your blood has done for my life. You've saved my soul. You've blessed my body. I'm healed, justified, set free. I'm born again. I'm destined for heaven. Thank you. But the body, the bread that you eat, is a celebration of the fact that we're one body. We're one church. We're one family. And as I used to come around the Connell family and they put on the food and the drink and man, they were celebrating this one family, man. And and, and it took me a while to get used to it. It took me a while to get used to this love factory called the Connell family. But they used to celebrate it and we used to have meals together. We'd celebrate each other's birthdays. We were there for each other. We were helping each other build homes. We were helping each other in times of trials and troubles. That's what church is, guys. It's participating together, partnering with each other. It's not visiting a nice place. I don't want that when I need you to to help me in my struggle or to help me put down pavers. I don't want you to stand around and go, gee, he's great on the work and be, isn't he? Yeah, he's just great. He just... No, because it rolls up the sleeves, it engages, it partners, it sweats, it gives. It, it, it. And that's what church is. So this morning I thought it would be great if we could share communion. Share the Lord's Supper together, the cup of blessing. Participating in the blood of Christ. Participating in this fellowship we call church. I thought it would be great. Romans 12.4 Romans 12.4 So in Christ we who are many we who are many we who are individuals form one body and each member belongs to all the others. Did you, hang on, hang on, hang on. Was that, was that really, is that really in the Bible? Is that really the Bible? Is that what's behind me right now? Is that scripture up there? You've got to put that one up because I'm not going to win this case uh, otherwise. Romans 12, verse 4. I need that. Tell me when it's up. So in Christ, we who are many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. Guys, the church is the light of the world. It's supposed to be the light of the world. And this is it. One of the most extraordinary things about the Connell family is that when they came together, it was like a nuclear reactor. It was like this love factory. In fact, our Christmas days that we would celebrate by the kids opening their presents, and man, it was this incredible day, love fest. It was like a love fest. And then we realized there was some friends outside of the circle that didn't have any of this. And, and every year, these new ones would, would be invited. <laughs> uh, you know, they would be the, maybe the mothers and fathers of the, of the new ones that were uh, married into the family or, or, or just strangers would, would turn up and go, who are you? Oh, we're connected. Who invited you? Jill Connell. She, she's invited us. Oh, okay. So this thing just got bigger and bigger. People were gathered up. People were loved on. People were impressed upon by the love of God by this tangible, real, manifested thing of caring for each other, loving each other, blessing each other. Do you know what I'm saying? 
And I think the, the Bible does say that the church should be the light of the world. Um, Matthew 5.16, in the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. What a great deed yesterday it was, wasn't it? To give to that youth uh, refuge and um, to give a donation to them. This is what we're doing, guys. We're creating good works, good deeds through participating with each other, collectively offering our resource of who we are, what we can do, bringing it to the table, bringing it to the church, mowing the land if we have to, or or setting up communion, giving to the Lord, loving each other. It's all about showing the world that we truly love each other. The Bible says the world will know that we are disciples of Jesus by the way that we love each other. Real love, nitty-gritty love. That's why I believe koinonia is a powerful word and the church should be powerful and people should see our light and say, my God, drive by on Saturday and see all these people across the, the paddock mowing, slashing, setting up this, setting up that. Go, wow, they really do believe in that stuff. Look at them partnering with each other, helping each other. Put on that big event. And so I, I, I thought about, before we take our communion, I thought about, my God, if we can get this, what Jill has left as a legacy, if we can get that into our church and, and it is absolutely invested of, of Jill, really, if you want to be honest, she really has left almost like a cornerstone in the life of this church of love that, that we, can, we can build on and build from. Guys, it's all about love. No matter which way you look at it. Some people love to argue about theology. Some people love to argue about the gifts, this, that. But it's all about this nitty-gritty stuff called... And this... This communion, Lord, is a celebration because the first communion was taken in the upper room before Jesus died. And Jesus gave this and said, do this in remembrance of me and what I'm, what I'm doing, what I shall do in creating a community called the born-again born believers that will love each other in a most extraordinary way. So Jesus, we take this bread right now We take it in celebration that we are one body. We're not individuals. It's my money. It's my life. It's my future. It's my decision. I'll do with my life as I please. C3 Tugra, you can do what you want. I'll visit you. I'll come. I'll I'll look. I'll offer some service. But don't expect me to become part of your family loving and participating and sharing and I've got my own life I've got my own family I've got my own destiny I've got my own future to worry about no the Bible says that we are one body so Jesus right now we take that in lieu of that and say Jesus you paid with your very life for church to be a church of love church of sacrificial serving and giving and loving each other that it would become the light of the world a testimony to the lost 
that people would look at the church and see the church and say, my God, is, this is amazing. I, I need in on this. I need to belong to this. So, Lord, we take this bread right now and thank you for the one body called your church. Dear God in heaven, this is, this is your son's symbol of your son's blood. paid for our life. You, you, you paid for our flesh to be uh, crucified. All those selfish intentions, me, myself and I, intentions, you paid for those with your perfect, precious blood, Lord. I can do this. I can be a part of the family. I can participate. I can share my life. I can partner with your church, Lord, because you shed your blood. It's all possible. Supernaturally, Lord, it's possible. And so I ask right now, Lord, that your blood would again cleanse me of every, all idolatry, all selfishness, Right now, Lord, I celebrate your blood. Let's take that together. In remembrance of you, Lord God. God made us persons in community to be the vehicle through which we would reveal his glory. But humanity has grasped for autonomy from God. We fell under the curse of God human community has become fractured. The image bearers of God fall short of His glory. Forgive us, Lord God. Isaiah 49 verse 6 says, He says, Is it too small a thing for you to be my servant? Let's all stand, God bless. To restore the tribes of Jacob, to bring back the house of Israel I have kept. I also make you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring my salvation to the ends of the earth this is what the Lord says the Redeemer and the Holy One of Israel to him who is despised and abhorred by the nations to the servant of rulers kings will see you rise up princes will see and bow down because of the Lord who is faithful the Holy One of Israel who has chosen you this is what the Lord says in the time of my favor I will answer you and in the day of salvation I will help you And I will keep you and I will make you to be a covenant for the people to restore the land and to re-sign its desolate inheritance. Isaiah 49 verse 9. And to say to the captives, come out. And to those in darkness, be free. And they will feed beside the roads and find pasture on every barren hill. Verse 10. They will neither hunger nor thirst, nor will the desert heat or the sun beat upon them. He who has compassion on them will guide them and lead them beside springs of water. Verse 11, I will turn all my mountains into roads and my highways will be raised up. And lastly, see, they will come. See, they will come from afar. Some from the north, some from the west, some from the region of Aswan. See, they will come to a church that is ablaze with the love of God. Thank you, Father. Let's just begin to just just worship for a couple of moments, a couple of minutes. Let's just seal that in the Holy Spirit. I want, to say, I want to say this too. This is the great threat against the church, that people stay 
independent of God's plan for church. And we've got to believe people find their right connection and participate and share and belong in every level to that local church. And that is the only way the church is going to stay strong in these last days. So, Father, we just simply lift up our hands right now, just lastly for a couple of moments right here, right now. Lord, we thank you. Help me, Lord God. Help me, Lord God. Lay down my pride. Lay down my autonomy. Lay down, Lord God, my will. Lay down my selfishness to preserve my life, to protect my life, Lord God, from sharing my life with others. Help me share my life with you, Jesus, but share my life with my church. Help me share it with friends and family, my connect group. Help me share it with good friends, Lord God, you've put in around my life. Help me share it in a most dramatic way. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.